In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, you hear so many texts and lessons each Sunday. And you hear of Christ's birth throughout the year, the miracles he performs, the eternal wisdom that he imparts to us. And granted, some of these lessons we receive with joy and gladness. And others are very difficult for us to swallow. Some of these lessons bring us just tremendous joy, and others bring just a great sorrow. And today is one of those lessons that breaks our heart to hear. Most people think that Ash Wednesday or Good Friday are the saddest days of the church year, but I would argue that today is that day. Today is the saddest gospel text you're going to hear. Because Ash Wednesday teaches us that we are sinful and will indeed one day turn into the ashes that we wear on our foreheads. However, we rejoice because Christ promises that he will raise us up from the dust and ashes and give us eternal life. And Good Friday teaches us that we deserve to be forsaken and condemned for our sins. However, we rejoice because in learning what we deserved, we also see that Christ bore that punishment for us and that he redeemed us from condemnation with his holy and precious blood. So neither Ash Wednesday nor Good Friday are all that sad. In fact, they're some of the most beautiful days in the church here, if not the most beautiful. But today is different. Today is one of the hardest texts to preach. And it's also one of the hardest texts to hear. It's the most heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and most upsetting. And the gospel text Jesus says, when he says this, when he says, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, he is rebuking Jerusalem's unbelief. The only thing that makes for peace is Jesus himself, and they don't want him. And then when Jesus says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and hem you in, and so on and so forth, he's prophesying of Jerusalem's impending doom, their ultimate destruction, and everything that Jesus said here literally happened. Forty years after Jesus said this, Jerusalem was utterly destroyed, completely decimated in the year 70. In fact, you can read historical documents that tell you exactly what happened. And it's gruesome. In fact, the church used to read the account of the destruction of Jerusalem, which was written by a heathen, uh, on the 10th Sunday of Trinity, simply observing what happened. And I'm guessing that churches stopped doing it because it was too hard to listen to. It was too gut-wrenching and sickening. But the reason the gospel lesson is so sad is not simply because Jerusalem is about to face one of the worst temporal deaths imaginable. But because they were about to face an eternal death because they rejected Christ. And this is why Jesus wept. This is what breaks his heart. That his dear children, whom he created, whom he knit together in their mother's womb, who counted every last hair on their heads and knew every tear that they shed, they rejected him, their maker, unto their own damnation. There's a word in theology that we use for this. It's called obduracy. And although the word doesn't show up in today's gospel lesson, it's a word used to describe exactly what is happening 
in the lesson. When Jesus says, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. That is the definition of obduracy. In other words, the very God who created Jerusalem, who loved her, who stood before, who who claimed her as his own, was rejected by her. God sent prophets to speak his word to them. He didn't send prophets to any other nation on earth, but they rejected Christ and they hated him. And for this reason, God destroyed Jerusalem. He didn't destroy Jerusalem because she was too sinful for him to forgive. But because Jerusalem rejected him, they refused his forgiveness and they closed their ears to his word. And for this reason, God made an example out of Jerusalem for rejecting him. And this is why this lesson is so hard for us to learn. It's such a hard pill to swallow. But those who reject God will be rejected by him. Those who ignore his forgiveness will not be forgiven. Those who close their eyes to the salvation that Christ has come to bring, God will blind and he will hide his salvation from them so that they cannot see it, so that it remains hidden forever. Simply put, those who reject Christ and his gospel will be overtaken by God's righteous and holy judgment. To be in this state of not knowing who God is, is to be blinded to the grace of God, and that is what it means to be obdurate. Obduracy is the horrifying condition of a person when he no longer fears God. It's when someone hardens their heart to God. When you no longer fear God's judgment, at that moment you are obdurate. And it's in this stubbornness against God when you fall from sin into sin without ever considering it sin. You become ignorant of God's word, his salvation and his grace. And you no longer see the point of Jesus. You no longer see the use uh, or or the reason for forgiveness. You no longer see uh, the, the benefit of going to church or even repenting. Those who are obdurate are those who have fallen so far that they no longer know what will bring them peace. So God's word is preached to them in vain because their hearts are hard like a rock. No matter how much God's law is preached in all of its threatening severity, no matter how much they hear of God's frightening righteousness and holiness, no matter how many times they are admonished and warned, they don't care at all. And no matter how many times the gospel with all of its strength and comfort and joy is preached, no matter how much they're pointed to the bleeding heart of Christ and his deep and profound love for sinners, no matter how many times they're told to repent because God loves them and wants to forgive their sins to crown them with salvation, their hardened hearts don't move an inch. No matter how friendly and urgently and lovingly you tell them, these words fall on deaf ears. They simply could care, couldn't care less. Whether you preach grace or wrath, life or death, blessing or curse, heaven or hell, salvation or damnation, it's all the same to the one who is obdurate, the stubborn, and the hard-hearted. They are violently dedicated to not caring or feeling a thing. 
Those who fall into this condition despise all grace, they decline all help, they refuse any friendly invitation. And when this happens, God withdraws his gracious hand from such hard-hearted people, and he surrenders them to the judgment of a hardened heart. That is the wrath of God, that he will give you up. And at this point, no light falls into the soul. They remain in darkness. In fact, the more they read and hear God's word, the more foolish and offensive that word becomes, and the more they hate it, the more they despise it, the more they can't stand it. They no longer feel sin or guilt or death. Right? No matter how many tears the anxious parent or brother or sister or son or daughter or friend or pastor sheds tears for them, they laugh off those who know the seriousness of this condition. For such people... There is no help. But no one becomes hard-hearted who was not first graciously visited by Christ. If God's word is preached for a long time to a person, if he's admonished countless times, even with tears in his eyes, if he's reprimanded and if he still despises all of this, still stifles and suppresses the truth, still willfully and stubbornly and continually resists all efforts and chooses to remain in sin without confessing it, then God tires of showing mercy. His patience runs out. And so he withdraws his hand. He stops working in that person, and that person becomes blinder, deafer, and even more stubbornly impenitent. But this only happens to those who first harden their heart to God and His gracious visitation. God only hardens the hearts of those who first harden their heart against Him by a contempt of His grace. In fact, this is exactly what happened to Pharaoh in the Old Testament. After Pharaoh hardened his heart initially against God, six times, then God hardened his heart even more for what purpose? To make an example out of him. And God will make an example out of all those who do the same. And this, Zion, is what is so frightening and so sad. This is not only a description of Jerusalem, it's a description of what can happen to you and to me if we begin to reject God's word. Whenever we refuse to repent even one of our sins, any of those sins, no matter how small and insignificant it might seem, we place ourselves in the position to fall into this miserable condition of obduracy. It's for this reason that we repent of sins that we know of and also sins that we don't even know of. But when we begin to defend our sin and make excuses for that sin and explain it away, when we attempt to sweep it away by justifying ourselves, then we've taken the first steps down the path of complete obduracy, the complete hardness of heart. When we take sin lightly, when we don't recognize the severity of wickedness, we're setting ourselves up to lose the salvation that Christ has indeed given to all of us. And this, dear saints, is why Jesus weeps. He breaks down crying simply at the thought of what is going to happen to those whom he loves so much. He doesn't desire the death of the wicked. He has no pleasure in this. 
He says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn back, turn back from all your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God doesn't want any of his dear children to perish, and yet he knows that many of them will. He knows that even though he loves them to the point of suffocation, to the point of utter death, to the point of his own damnation in his flesh, they won't care at all. Jesus knows that even if he pours out every single ounce and drop of blood from his veins and his heart onto the earth, there will be some who don't care to claim that blood as their own. He knows that even if he suffers the wrath of God in their stead, even if he bears the guilt and shame and sin and death, there's going to be many who don't want it. And yet, Jesus still does what he does. He still goes to the cross and he still spills his blood for them, for all of us, for the entire world. Even though many despise and rebuke him, although so many mocked him to his face, spit on his face, and drove nails into his flesh, he still goes through all that he did because he loves them. Even though many people hate him, he still proclaims his undying love for them with his final breath on the cross. What kind of God is this? Look at how loving God is, the one true God. Who in the world is a God like him? In fact, seeing the tears roll down Jesus' face should make your heart melt here today. To see how, his, how deeply he loves even those who reject him, who treat him with the greatest disdain and, and who, who uh, write him off. Yet, it's the most beautiful comfort for you and me. Because with this, dear saints, you cannot... And should not think even for one split second that God does not love you. No matter how sinful and stubborn you might be even in this moment. No matter how wicked and hard-hearted you might be, don't you for a second despair of his forgiveness, of his salvation, because God wishes the death of absolutely no sinner. He would gladly save all, every single one of you, and even you yourself. Those who are lost are lost not because God doesn't want to save them. They're lost because they don't want to be saved, because they don't want to repent, because they don't want his forgiveness. And it's for this reason that we should be motivated that the very second we find a hint of this stubbornness and hard-heartedness in ourselves, no matter the sin, whatever it is you're defending, we need to fall on our knees, pray that God would not remove his Holy Spirit from us, And we repent. The very second you feel this obduracy rising up within you, you need to run to church, find your pastor, confess your sin, and plead that the grace of God will be preached into your ears. When you find your eyes lusting after wickedness, you close your eyes, you shut them, and you repent and receive Christ's forgiveness. When you find your tongue spreading gossip and lies, you shut your mouth and you repent and receive the forgiveness that Jesus gives. When you find your heart longing for things that God has forbidden, cry out, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So when you feel your heart hardening like a stone, don't despair. 
Rather, come to church and place Christ before you as your only righteousness, and he will take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When you find yourself becoming impenitent, like the people of Jerusalem, repent of that impenitence and hear God's forgiveness and pray that he keep you from becoming obdurate and hard-hearted and stubborn. No matter what sin you are in, whatever you do, do not ever despair of God's grace. Because Christ has come precisely for this purpose, to turn your sadness into joy, to comfort those who mourn, to forgive you all of your sins. So whatever you're going through, remember that today Jesus has visited you here once again in this very moment with a grace and a mercy and a love and salvation that will never end. Christ desires nothing more than to forgive you for all of your sins and to bless you with salvation. So stop despising the grace he gives you. Take it. Believe it. Be converted and let go of your sin and take hold of Jesus in faith. When Jesus calls you to repentance with tears in his eyes, remember that he does so only so that he can wipe the ones from yours away. Whatever anguish or affliction you bear, come to Christ and he will give you an unending and undying peace which can never be taken away or destroyed. Today, God has visited you. And he brings to you Christ, the one thing that gives you peace. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, through your faithfulness, visit us with consolation and deliverance. Show us your great mercy and don't punish us for our recent sins. With your kindness, dwell with us. Keep your fury and your wrath far from us and rather consider your son's bitter death and look upon his holy wounds that are indeed for the entire world. Keep us from all impenitence and be patient with us and convert us and those who have hardened their heart against you. For your mercy's sake we pray. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.